Welcome to Promocast Canada, the one and only show produced especially for Canada's promotional products community. Brought to you by the Promotional Products Professionals of Canada and the President and CEO of PPPC, Jonathan Strauss. Let's talk shop. Hello and welcome back to Promocast Canada, the official podcast of the Promotional Products Professionals of Canada. My name is Jonathan Strauss and I'm the President and CEO of PPPC. I'm excited to have here with me today, Zach Karim of Big K. So Zach, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Jonathan, for having me. So Zach, um, why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about, uh, about yourself, um, you know, when you got into the industry and, and uh, what led you to, uh, to the industry? Yeah, so a little, uh, a little history. Maybe I'll uh, go back to kind of uh, the Big K history, uh, history first. Uh, so we are a family-owned and operated uh, company. Um, so my dad, um, his name is Julius. He came here from Uganda in the uh, late 60s. Um, he was born and raised there um, during the Idi Amin time. Um, him and his, uh, the rest of his family uh, fled the country. Um, for their safety, um, they ended up in uh, in Austria for six months, and then they, you know, got uh, citizenship uh, to come to Canada. So literally at that time, they had come to the country with uh, nothing but twenty dollars and the clothes on their back. Uh, my dad has uh, four sisters and uh, four brothers uh, plus him, so five in total. Um, so pretty pretty decent sized uh, sized family. Um, his sisters and stuff went to school, um, him and his brothers and uh, his dad, my grandfather, uh, started a janitorial business, obviously coming to this country with, uh, with nothing. Uh, they had to provide for the family. Um, in 1971, I believe it was, my dad got a call from, uh, uh, from the manpower at that time um, as they had applied uh, when they were looking for jobs. They had said that there is a local clothing manufacturer who does men's and boys wear uh, looking for a uh, cutter. Now, my dad, obviously coming from overseas, had no cutting experience. Um, he took the job uh, with Big K. And at that time, Big K did not import anything. We were strictly making men's and boys wear for companies like Army and Navy and some of the other uh, larger companies now that strictly import. Um, my dad started to work uh, for, you know, two or three years. Um, proved himself to this day he still has a very uh, very uh, high work uh, ethic and that's where I also get my work uh, work ethic from uh, one of the uh, partners there was two owners of the company Keith and Brand and that's where the big K brand clothing uh, company name comes from Keith was having a lot of health issues he wanted to get out he pulled my dad aside and said hey you know what I want to sell you you know the share, so you and Brand become 50-50. Him and my dad worked something out. One day my dad was working there, the next day he was a 50-50 partner. In the 80s, he bought Brand out. And um, obviously my dad coming from a third world country, uh, technology wasn't uh, top priority. Obviously in the, in the 80s and 90s, uh, technology, internet and importing was just starting to become, uh, become a thing. Um, so in the 90s, my dad, uh, you know, tried to sell the company um, for whatever reason. I call it luck. Um, it didn't go through. Um, I graduated in uh, 2000 from high school. Um, you know, typical kid coming to work with his dad in the summer. Um, I came, I'd come to work with him in the morning. 
the first to admit I was very lazy. I'd sleep on the couch, wake up, you know, do my thing for a couple hours, and and there we go. Over over the the course of the year, I started to get more involved with uh, with customers and, and into the business, and noticed that, and found that I could actually, you know, maybe help grow this business and take it to the next step. So I started linking up in 2002 with some companies and some uh, people overseas. Uh, to this day, we have a sourcing office uh, overseas, which I had set up in 2003. Uh, 2003, kid out of high school, I went to China, uh, met with uh, the contacts that I had uh, had connected with over there. Uh, 2004, brought in my first uh, first container, and uh, yeah, the rest is uh, the rest is history. That's a great story. So Zach, tell us, um, you've talked about the company starting in men's and boys wear. And so what was that transition to the kinds of products that you focus on today? What, what was the evolution of the products? Yeah, so the evolution of products, yeah, so we used to make uh, men's and boys wear as far as jeans, shirts and stuff go. Uh, so what happened in the 90s is when importing started to become, uh, become more popular. Uh, we found that uh, our competitors were knocking our products off, even though we were making them in Canada, they were bringing them in from overseas uh, for a fraction of the cost and selling it in the market for what, you know, it almost costs, almost what our cost was to produce the garment. Now, obviously, as I had mentioned, you know, my dad coming from a third world country, technology wasn't uh, top priority. Um, so, and that's why in the 90s, I think uh, we tried to, to shift our business. Um, as far as kind of getting out of it, because, you know, it's very hard to uh, to run a business when your competitors are selling items to the consumers for what it, your cost is, is to make. So I'm glad that we uh, we 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 kept the company in the family. And I am glad that I got the opportunity to you know, bring in high visibility clothing. So in 2004, when we had brought in our first container, it was high visibility clothing. So that was our main shift from men's and boys wear to high visibility PPE clothing. So once we started to invest from there, once we started to build a, a customer base, products that go in the same category just naturally follow. Well, good. And so now your your focus is is squarely in the in the safety area. But uh, tell me, you know, um, we we can talk about COVID in a few different ways. But I know you've uh, COVID had you add some other kinds of things in the safety category. So what what did you add to your product mix as a result of of the pandemic? Yeah. So as a result of the pandemic, obviously in uh, twenty twenty. Um, early 2020, January, February, and March is when we saw, uh, you know, COVID really become, you know, a serious health uh, health concern. Um, now, obviously, with us having our connections and sourcing offices overseas, we were the first company that I know of and that I've been told to actually fly in uh, PPE masks. We did KN95s, we did three-ply disposables, um, as well as accessories such as ear savers and and a few other lanyards and and, and stuff like that. So with our connections overseas, we were able um, to fly products over quicker than most other of my competitors and other people that were in the 
in the COVID PPE. So we were the first first to market. So what we found is, uh, you know, we added, as I had said, KN95s, three-ply disposables. Um, right now we're selling uh, COVID test kits as well. Um, obviously Health Canada approved. Um, everything we do as a company, we make sure, you know, the products are certified and meet the standard that they need to meet. Because in the end, it's all about taking care of and making sure that the end users that are using our products are being uh, are being told the correct information and ensuring that they are wearing the correct uh, certified uh, you know masks or high visibility uh, uh, clothing. So Zach, provide us some education on that. When a distributor is shopping, uh, you know, researching product on behalf of their customer, what do they need to look for when it comes to those certifications and, and related things? What, what, what should a distributor know? What should they be looking for to make sure that they're recommending the right products to their end customer? Yeah, so a distributor should always uh, either trust uh, somebody that they trust, so trust their uh, their their supply chain where they're uh, where they're getting the products from. But I also recommend that you know everybody that's selling PPE should also do uh, their own due diligence. Um, there's a lot of, and what we saw in 2020 and up until now is there's a lot of products that are on the market which claim they meet a certain specification. Um, or Health Canada. But when you start to dig into it a little bit deeper, uh, you know, you find that, you know, a lot of the products, not a lot, but some of the products on the market don't meet the standard that they are supposed to. So one thing we do as a company, and me specifically, is we do all our due diligence with the factory. Make sure the factory is certified. Make sure the products that are coming in are certified. And we reassure our distribution network that we have done our due diligence but as I said, I always recommend a distributor to go on to Health Canada or onto you know specific websites which uh, give you guidance on the standards and be up to date and also you know kind of reassure your customers that uh, you know what they're buying is a certified product. It's uh, it's I, I've heard a lot about that uh, over the last two years about people yes. not necessarily knowing what they're what they're what they're buying or. You know, in the case of hand sanitizer, we were hearing of uh, some people uh, running into issues where they thought they had the the right, uh, I guess, paperwork, certifications, credentials to import, whereas they they didn't. So, um, I think there's been a lot of lessons learned. Uh, you know, hopefully for the for the good. A lot of lessons learned uh, for the industry during the pandemic about Health Canada approvals and uh, the other kinds of things you need for for importing. Exactly. So when you think about um, the, the future uh, of some of those products, uh, do, you, do you see masks and some of the other things you started bringing in? Um, will, you, will those continue to be part of your portfolio of products going forward? Uh, yes, they will. Certain COVID items, uh, the test kit, stuff like that, there's just a matter of time before, you know, the government, once they get their, uh, you know, their their supply chain in uh, in order, it's going to be a matter of time before. And I, and I truly believe that, you know, especially here in Canada with our healthcare system, you know, the government should be providing, uh, you know, test kits and other essential items, uh, you know, especially for, you know, families that aren't as fortunate as as others. Um, but um, as far as our um, 
PP, COVID PPE goes for Big K. I I would suspect that KN95s are going to be here to stay. Um, and you're going to see, and this is my opinion, is you're going to see the KN95 stay around just because they do filter and they are a good alternative to an N95. Now, the masks that we sell, uh, we don't claim they're Health Canada. We sell them as a non-medical but we have certification that shows that they have almost the same, if not the same, filtration as an N95. So I believe the K95 is going to stay just because of the cost. It's going to be a little less cost than the uh, the N95s or some of the other masks that are on the market. Um, but as far as the test kits go and some of the accessories, I think those are going to going to eventually fade away. Um, but you know, what do I know, right? As we all found out throughout the pandemic, it's taken so many shifts and turns. And yeah, who knows what's gonna, you know, what, what's the long-term game for uh, for this virus? So Zach, you, you talked about, um, you know, some of the shifts made uh, as a result of COVID. So beyond expanding your product portfolio, what what are some of the other impacts that, that the pandemic has had on your business? Uh, so yeah, so the other, uh, so the pandemic has had, uh, you know, as far as so one thing that I didn't uh, mention is we are a manufacturer, so we still do manufacture about twenty five to thirty percent of our products here. So what we found is since we have about 60, 60 or so employees here in our Vancouver facility, that includes management, office shipping, as well as our our cut and sew staff, we found. Um, you know, obviously, with having so many um, so many people in our in our workforce, we found a few challenges because you know having so many employees, we have to shift or we have to um, uh, schedule different break times, different start times. Because the one thing that we want to avoid is having you know lunchtime, having a big group of uh, of people sitting together, and you know just having that uh, conversation. Um, so we we've tried to limit it that way, and obviously that has caused issues as far as uh, you know delivery times for for manufacturing some of our items that we do manufacture here. Uh, but we have had some great customers that have uh, that understand the situation and also understand what we as a company are trying to do to keep our employees uh, healthy and safe as well. Um, because obviously the last thing we want is to have a big outbreak and have, you know, big K shut down for, you know, a little while until everyone's better. So we've tried to do things as a company to uh, to try to eliminate or, or minimize those uh, issues. Zach, how is staffing these days, um, both re- retaining and attracting staff in your Vancouver operations? Yeah, so for us, we've been very lucky. Um, you know, we've had four of our sewing machine operators retire after 35 years of work. So that goes to show you kind of how we run our operation. Most of my staff has been here for, you know, 10 to 15 years. So we don't have a, a big staff turnover as far as uh, the sewing staff uh, staff goes. Uh, for new workers, we rely on, uh, you know, their contacts, so their friends and family who are looking for work. So we always, whenever we're looking to increase our, our staff, we go to our staff first and, and ask them that if they, you know, know anybody that's looking for work or if they have somebody that they know. And that's how we, we've we kind of retained our, our staff. But we as a company have not had, uh, we don't have big staff uh, staff turnover. 
Oh, you're very lucky because uh, that we are. You know, every every business owner I talk to lately, it seems to be the number one challenge uh, is either people or supply chain or both. So uh, yes. I'm glad. I'm very glad uh, to hear for your sake that uh, that people are, are stable for you. Uh, are you finding that uh, you have some second generation employees uh, in the business as well? We do have a few second generation uh, employees. Um, it's you know to be to be honest, it's it's hard to find. Uh, you know, if we didn't have the referrals from our current staff, it is difficult to find, uh, you know, specific sewing machine operators because it's a skilled trade. And what I find is the younger generation, you know, my generation, they don't want to go into that industry. You know, they're all going into either finance or healthcare or one of the other industries, which, you know, they know they have potential in. So we're finding that there is not too many of the newer generation going into into this industry and that's why companies like myself rely on uh, on referrals and i think most manufacturers would uh, would agree with that as well zach what are, what are the products that you're specifically making in vancouver yeah so the products that we make here is uh, so everything on in our catalog which can be downloaded on our website bigkclothing.ca everything in our catalog that has a canadian flag beside it is manufactured here. So we do manufacture uh, five or six different types of uh, surveyor and supervisor vests. My main business here, uh, for as far as manufacturing goes, is chainsaw safety clothing. So we are one of the larger manufacturers in North America of chainsaw safety uh, safety clothing. Well, it's good that you found that niche. Uh, I think that's becoming more and more and for com- more and more important for companies to find those those niches where they have. Uh, some unique experience and products to bring to the market. So that's great. You've been able to to identify that. Absolutely. So you you, you started with the beginning of telling us uh, your your family history, your father uh, coming into the business and eventually acquiring part and then all of the business. So uh, what's it been like for you growing up in a family business and, and working alongside your father for so many years? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So growing up, uh, you know, kind of in the textile industry when I was in, you know, elementary, high school, to be honest, I didn't think about it. I, uh, you know, I wasn't really a good, uh, I'll be the first to admit, I wasn't a good book learner. I'm more, you know, street smart. I'm more of a hands-on person. So during school, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do after um, high school was done. And then, you know, in 2000, 2001, when I started to come to work with my dad, my dad and I have always had a really good, uh, you know, relationship since we were, since, since, since I was young. Um, so, you know, starting to work with my dad and currently still working, you know, with, with my dad, um, it's, it, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of stories from other people that I talk to that, that work with family that say it's very difficult and, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you butt heads. Luckily for, uh, for, for my situation, I've kind of, you know, my dad's given, you know, kind of given me the reins to the business. So I look after overall business operation, financing, you know, importing. If we want to create a new product line, I have the ability of doing that. But, you know, it's just been a pleasure to, you know, spend that much time with, uh, you know, with, with my dad and, uh, you know, helping grow the company with him. And, you know, that's, you know, I've been very fortunate to, uh, you know, to have, you know, supporting parents and, you know, sister and brother-in-law and, you know, supporting wife as well. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I can't see myself, you know, working with anyone else now. Right. And, uh, yeah. 
So Zach, that, that's awesome. It sounds great. What advice do you have for, for other family businesses? What, what have you learned that you would suggest to others who are working with family? Yeah, so the one thing I would suggest is, you know, there has to be a, a good line of communication and trust. And that's the one thing that I learned when I first, you know, got into the business is, you know, yeah, there's going to be short-term customers, there's going to be long-term customers, but to run a successful business, you have to run an honest business. So you have to be honest with customers. You have to be honest with your staff, yourself, and you just have to, you know, respect each other, right? Yes. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, we don't have conflicts here and stuff as well, but they all get resolved, right? You sit down, you talk about it. And, and in the end, you have to find what's best for the business. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the the point where you have to you know in the end it's all about growing the business and yeah and so zach uh, maybe shifting gears um i i know because i i've met them um you as a company work with with multi-lines uh across the country to to help you uh grow your business and and develop your customer base so what what um, how do how does that work for you? Uh, what advice do you have for other suppliers who uh, are working with multi line agents? Yeah, so yeah, we do work with a few multi lines. We do have a couple of uh, specific reps that do work for us. But as far as multi lines go, it all comes down to that, uh, as I had mentioned, the, uh, the the trust factor, and you know both parties, you know us and the multi lines. We all have to be on the same page and, you know, and as a multi-line, I also rely on my team to inform me of what's going on in the market. You know, what are we doing good? We're one of the few companies where, you know, I appreciate negative feedback because if nobody says anything, everyone assumes everything is okay and everyone just moves forward, right? And then whatever the issue is kind of gets forgotten. So we're one of the few companies that actually encourages, you know, all types of feedback whether it's positive, negative, you know, that's the only way that we can improve. And also our multi-lines, you know, we ask people to tell us, hey, how are our multi-lines doing? What can they do better? But you also have to have, you know, people that are willing to, you know, be on the same team, right? So what we found with our multi-lines is a few of them who had multi-line lines, they have actually scaled them back. And now they're actually only doing big K because they see the potential in the area. And we as a company are more than fair where, you know, I've I've heard in the industry that, you know, a multi-line or a rep has to get the order and send it into the company in order to get taken care of for that order. We as a company don't operate that way. Um, You know, whether we get the order or our multi-line gets the order, we know that our multi-line has been working on this and you know we consider us all one big family so we do specific things and do things differently than other uh, companies because in the end if the multi-lines or your if your family isn't happy they're not going to stick around so you as a company have to do what you have to do to make sure that everything runs smooth and in the end it's just one big happy so Zach, you, you've talked a lot about relationships there. Um, over the last two years with reduced travel, reduced face-to-face time, what have you done successfully to maintain those relationships with your multi-lines, with your, with your key customers across the country, uh, and even some of your management team that maybe aren't together as often as, as they have been? What's worked for you to keep everybody connected and, and maintain those good relationships? 
Yeah, so what's worked for us is obviously phone, uh, you know, Zoom and uh, and Teams. Uh, you know, video has become a big part of a lot of businesses now that uh, that we're using it. Um, you know, my cell phone is on 24 hours. So, you know, there's some evenings where, you know, a few of my multi-lines will have some questions. They'll send me a text, even customers, you know, send me a text. They'll get a, a quick response. So we've kind of, we've set up... Uh, uh, you know, weekly or bi-weekly meetings um, to sit down and go over some of the things that are going on in the industry and, you know, what we should do differently, what uh, what specific, you know, customers we should target more than more than others. But it's it comes down to that line of communication, right? Just, you know, me knowing that if I need anything, I can call any one of my, uh, my multi-lines and they'll be there to answer the questions and vice versa. If they have any questions or need help or if they're sitting there with a the customer, um, you know, they can always call me if, uh, if needed as well. So, so to answer the question, I think it's just, uh, you know, it's the communication. Great. Well, it sounds like it's been working for you. So, Zach, both as a, as an, a company that's an importer as well as a manufacturer, uh, you know, supply chain is in the news every day and has been for quite some time. Uh, how have supply chain challenges impacted you both in your importing and in your manufacturing? Yeah, so supply chain, um, you know, has uh, has impacted us not as uh, as bad as uh, as some other people, but what we're finding is we're finding for our imports, uh, you know, we're seeing a few delays and stuff, a few issues with with material. Um, but we're seeing more of a delay on our uh, made in Canada, so the items that we make here, because we rely on uh, on other suppliers for fabric and for zippers and Velcro and for other items that we need to put a garment together. So we are seeing a few delays um, and issues as far as the uh, the manufacturing go. But luckily, um, you know, we've been able to overcome those uh, those challenges and find supplies either directly from overseas or from other suppliers that do have uh, another channel uh, which they're bringing stuff in from. Well, great. Well, it's, it sounds like uh, you're working your network, uh, working your connections to, to make that work. And I think that's what we, you know, we hear across, uh, really across the economy and throughout the promotional products industry is that, you know, relationships have become even more important as we see these challenges with COVID and supply chain and, and uh, you know, not being together. All those things all come down to having strong relationships, don't they? Absolutely. So, Zach, as you, as you look to the future, you've, you've been in the industry for about 20 years. As you, as you look to the future, What's next for, for Big K? Yeah, so I think the future, you know, I, I think we're just going to continue doing what we're, uh, you know, what we're doing. Um, you know, I've been, as, as I said, I've been doing this for, for 20 years and I can't see myself uh, doing anything else. I have a great, uh, great team um, in-house, but also an outside team with my uh, multi-lines and reps and, and obviously customers, right? I've really enjoyed uh you know, building up a customer base, but also keeping those relationships. You know, a lot of the customers that I've opened up and that 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 we have, you know, have been customers for, you know, 20, 30. We have one customer, which is almost 40 years uh, with, with our company. Um, so it just goes, you know, I think it's just going to, uh, so long term, I think we just continue doing what we're, uh, what we're doing. Um, and yeah, kind of see what the future holds. And Zach, is there a, another generation coming up behind you? 
Hopefully. So, uh, so here in the company, so we have myself, my dad, uh, my sister uh, does our accounting here as well. So, you know, I have two, two young daughters. Uh, my sister has two young daughters as well. Uh, you know, who knows, right, whether they want to, uh, you know, whether they want to continue this or, or do their own, right? They're still, uh, you know, five and seven. So, so they still have a lot, a lot of time to, uh, to decide what they want to do. But, you know, hopefully one day, you know, they will follow in our, uh, in our footsteps and, um, you know, carry on, uh, you know, carry on the, uh, the legacy that, uh, you know, I guess my dad has, you know, kind of brought me into and I'm hoping, you know, I can pass that on as well. But uh, yeah. Well, great. Well, Zach, I want to thank you. I've enjoyed learning more about your company. You know, I, I, I know a lot of the suppliers in the industry uh, from their participation in, in our trade shows, which unfortunately we haven't had as many of as we'd like to recently. Uh, but I don't always know the backstories. So um, it, it's nice to learn more about the people uh, behind these companies and, and the products. Um, so I want to thank you for sharing your insights. I've really enjoyed getting to know you more today. No, thank you. And, you know, thank you for, for this opportunity. And uh, yeah, thank you for everyone that's, uh, that's listening as, as well. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Well, Zach, thanks for joining us on Promocast Canada. And I'll look forward to seeing you again at uh, either one of our chapter events out in Vancouver or uh, at one of our in-person trade shows uh, later in 2022. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Zach. And uh, make sure everybody to check back for future episodes of Promocast Canada. Thank you and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Promocast Canada. Stay tuned for future episodes featuring more of Canada's promo leaders.